Hello, and welcome to Crazy Canucks Football. This is our mock draft show, our draft preview show, since it's apparently just under a month to the draft, I believe, if my calendar is right. Uh, just under a month to the draft. First year in prime time for the draft, so we're getting pretty excited. I'm Jordan Smith, and normally my partner Tyler Engel is here, but he is off in Houston to watch some college basketball. So we pulled a quick substitution, and we've got Alec Tobb here to talk draft with us today. How you doing, Alec? Good. How are you? Not bad. I'm, I am ready for some draft. I'm definitely excited, for sure. And today I'm going to explain why it should feel good to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, but we'll get to that oh, a little yes. later. Um, do you want to kick <laughs> this off and get right into it then? I guess I would. First round mock-ups. Here we go. So here, here we go. The first round mock-up. At number one, we got the St. Louis Rams, who had a absolutely pitiful year. They, the only game that they managed to win was against last year's 0-16 Lions. You know, it, it. This was overall just a not, just just a terrible year for the Rams. So they need to restart from scratch, and the first place you look is at quarterback, in which they had Mark Bulger. That's right, Mark Bulger. Used to be good. Injuries and a bad O-line have degraded him so much that he is no longer able to play. So the Rams, for sure, go with Sam Bradford. Bradford, at his time in Oklahoma, was one of the most dominant quarterbacks NCAA, the NCAA has ever seen until this year in which he suffered injuries that kept him sidelined for almost the entire year. He had thrown something like 80 touchdown passes in two years. We hadn't seen something that great since at Hawaii in which, well, we all know the end of that. So the next pick is the Detroit Lions. They're also trying to rebuild. And last year they had the number one pick in which they chose Matthew Stafford. I think this year they take the guy to protect the franchise, which is Russell Okong. A lot of people have them taking Udonda Kong Su, who is the best defensive tackle in the draft, also the best player in the draft. But Russell Okong is an extremely good offensive lineman, and they cannot pass him up. Next is the lucky Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, they're also in the process of rebuilding, obviously. But they have a lot of young talent, which to add to the young talent, they get the best player in the draft, and Udonsu, by far the most dominant, durable, and best player in the draft. He single-handedly could win games for Nebraska, and I think he will do the same in Tampa Bay. Next is the Redskins. The Redskins had a lot of things happen in this offseason including a new coach, Mike Shanahan, who has now just come back from football after being gone for a year. Well, Mike Shanahan, they're predicting that Mike will draft a quarterback. I don't think so. You know, right now they have Jason Campbell in there, who I think is a very underrated quarterback. He likes to throw the short ball, and I think he'd be great in a West Coast-style offense, which Shanahan runs which is why I think they don't go at quarterback and they fix that defense. That second was absolutely pitiful. Other than D'Angelo Hall, one of the few bright spots, and Laurent Landry, Carlos Rogers 
wasn't very good, and Fred Smoot is well past his prime. The other safety that they had was Reed Dougherty, and Reed was not very good. So I think they that they go and they take Eric Berry, the best safety in this draft. He can do it all. He can stop the run. He can stop the pass. He can play corner and safety, which I think he'll be doing a lot of both. Now the next team at number five, this uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas, well, they're young. They have a lot of talent, and I think they could easily be one of the better teams in the league if they fix that O-line. Matt Castle had a hard time trying to stay upright because of an aging O-line with Brian Waters and a bunch of other younger guys such as Braden Albert and Ryan O'Callaghan. They really need some help there, and I think in order to, re- to replace a guy that was as great as Brian Waters, I think they go Brian Beluga. I think he could easily fill in for Brian Waters. Beluga, in my opinion, is the second-best offensive lineman in this draft, and I think he could do a lot of great things there in Kansas City, including he may be able to play center to fill in for Rudy Niswanger. He can play anywhere on the line because of his size and speed and could easily make a difference there. Now, the next team is the Seattle Seahawks, a team that was ultimately plagued by losing guys like Tatupu, a huge thing, entire year. Now, a lot of people don't know what's going to happen in Seattle and of their new coach, Pete Carroll, it's kind of hard to predict their pick, especially because most people have Jimmy Clausen going to Washington. I think if Pete Carroll were sitting there and Clausen still on the board, he would by far go with Jimmy Clausen. Matt Hasselbeck has been plagued by injuries for at least the last two years. He has been he's been pretty average of a quarterback when he's been in there, and the Seattle. Seahawks just can't really get much done, which is why I think they go with Jimmy Clausen. Clausen was a very good quarterback last year at Notre Dame, throwing 28 touchdown passes, four interceptions. That was his best season. Years before that, on the other hand, were not as pretty, but I think he could make a difference at offense. I don't think, though, he will be a great quarterback as, as it is. The players he has around him, it's going to be hard for him, especially in his first year. T.J. Hushmanzada is not nearly as good as he was in Cincinnati, and no Nate Burleson means Dion Branch has to play at second wideout. They're going to have a hard time considering that they don't really have much of a running attack with Julius Jones and Justin Forsett. Their O-line is also pretty beat up with an aging Walter Jones and lots of injuries. So he will have definitely a hard time in Seattle. Next, the Cleveland Browns. The Browns have had a lot of things going on this offseason, including no quarterbacks other than Jake DeLome. A lot of people think that the Browns will trade up and try to get a quarterback. They think that maybe Jimmy Clausen will fall to number six, or sorry, seven. And they will have help on that offense. But I don't know about you, Jordan. 
I just don't see Jimmy Clausen falling that far, and I don't think Holmgren has a lot of faith in Clausen. So I think they wait till later in the draft to go for their quarter. So then, with this pick, I think they help that secondary. Eric Wright is a good cornerback. He's a good guy. But the next best is Mike Adams and then Brandon McDonald. You can't win tons of games with a weak secondary, as shown. Also, with Brodney Poole and even Abram Elam, they're kind of lacking in the secondary. So I think at number seven, they take Joe Hayden, who is the best cornerback in this draft. I don't exactly know his combine time, but I hear it was in the four threes. His combine time was a four six flat, but at his pro day he ran a four four three on a wet track, which equates to about a four three eight four three nine on a normal surface. Which is pretty good for a corner. <laughs> he had a he had a a not so good combine, but his pro day was I from what I heard was extremely good. So I think the Browns cannot pass Joe Hayden at number six. Next was the hardest guy for me to predict, the Oakland Raiders. Knowing the Raiders Hardest guy for anybody to predict, I think. Yeah. Knowing the Raiders, I mean last year's shocker at Darius Hayward Bay, really, even though Michael Crabtree was still on the board, they're gonna be regretting that for years to come. As Jim once said on one of his comedic things, he says, Darius Hayward Bay had hands of stone but ran a 4.3 in the combine. And Al Davis's response was, yes, I want him. Not the guy who obviously did a lot better at Texas Tech. Which, you know, knowing the Raiders, it's hard to predict who they're really going to go with. But instead, I'm gonna, I think they'll go with Bruce Campbell. When we look at this O-line... Other than Mario Henderson and Robert Gallery, it's pretty weak. Sansom Staley was decent. Cooper Carlsley was okay. And Cornell Green was by far the worst. Bruce Campbell had the most amazing combine an offensive lineman could have. Running in the four sixes in his 40-yard dash, he benched the most reps. Or, not sorry, not the most, but he benched in the 30s in reps. He was very good in the combine, and that's why I think the pass up on his side, size, his speed, and the fact that he's pretty good. I think he could fit really well in Oakland. Next is Buffalo. Buffalo is very unlucky with their picks, considering that, well, they picked ninth. They really did need a guy like Bradford, and they really do need a guy like Jimmy Clausen, because I don't know how far they're going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that's a different story. So I think with their pick, they could either go wide receiver, running back, wherever they really want to go. I think they go offensive lineman. Considering Demetrius Bell was their starting left tackle and behind him, Jamon Merritt, it was a very, very weak tackle group. So I think they draft Anthony Davis. Of course, that'll draw some red flags for people, considering he did not have an extremely good combine. (laughs) He came in a little overweight and did not do very well during the combine. I expect to see him to do better at his pro day, but I think the Bills just cannot pass up a guy like Anthony Davis, who is expected to go in the top seven. 
of course, his draft stock has fallen a little to nine, which isn't really falling. But I think that they go with uh, Anthony Davis. Next is Jacksonville. Jacksonville has had some up and down times last year. They had moments where they looked really good and then moments where they looked really bad. Hint, hint, Josh Scobie missing field goal after field goal in San Francisco. Their defense had trouble last year, to say the least. Julius Williams, who they started at right end, and Quentin Groves both shared time. Both were not very good at all. Their best defensive end was Reggie Hayward, who will be 31 when they start this year, and he has never been really good. John Henderson, who will be 31 also, has been not nearly as good as he has been in the past, but after a defensive tackle to fill in for Henderson, which is why I think they go end here. I think they get possibly one of the biggest draft steals in this draft and draft Jason Pierre-Paul. The reason why he doesn't go in the top five is because he came out of one of the smaller colleges in all of college football in the University of Southern Florida, if I'm correct. Yes, sir, you are correct. And Jason Pierre-Paul is the best athlete in this draft. He can pass rush, he can run stop, he can dominate a lot like Ndam Kong Su which is why I think he goes to Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville takes him at 10, and that's a little high, because he's in Florida. They're not very far from him. They probably know what he's like and what he's capable of doing. So I think they select him at 10. Next, the Denver Broncos. The Broncos started out as the hottest team in the league, starting, I believe, 8-0. and 6-0, I believe it was. Kind of fell off. Oh, 6-0. And then fi- finish kind of the season eight and eight, two and eight <laughs> in their last ten games. Yeah, yeah, finished two and six in their last eight games. Not exactly how you want to finish a season. They had a hard time with quarterback Kyle Orton, who was actually, I think, a very good player, and I don't think they go to replace him in this draft. Young running back Noshan Marino was learning the reins from. Buck Halter, and he was slowly but surely getting better. Brandon Marshall and Eddie Royal are also getting better. I think they continue and they continually will. I don't know if they're going to draft a wide receiver. I'm pretty sure they're not considering Eddie Royal, who they got last year. So I think for this pick, they go defensive tackle. When you look at this defensive line, you want to cringe. Ryan McBean is decent, and Kenny Peterson isn't. They got Ronald Fields at defensive tackle, and they're kind of lost on the defensive side. So I think with this pick, they take Gerald McCoy. This is a huge draft steal, considering he's the second-best defensive tackle in this draft, and people compare him to Nadam Su. I think that Gerald McCoy will fall to 11, because the teams that are left on here don't really need a defensive tackle. They're more in need of offensive linemen other than Jacksonville, who needs a defensive end to Jason Pierre-Paul. So I think the Broncos get one of the best draft stills in this draft, and they get Gerald McCoy. Now at number 12, the the Miami Dolphins pick. 
the Dolphins had an they had an up and down year last year. They were affected by injuries such as Ronnie Brown, but Ricky Williams stepped in and did a great job. They lost Chad Pennington, so Chad Henney stepped in. Chad Henney he got named a starting quarterback, and Pennington is now on the bench. It was an interesting year, to say the least, for the Dolphins. Joey Porter wanted out, and he got that. With also Jason Taylor being 34, you figure, why wouldn't they go for linebacker, which is what they're going to do. Rolando McClain is by far the best linebacker in this draft, in a deep linebacker draft. He has the ultimate ability to be something really great. Don't want to use the word Lawrence Taylor, but it kind of comes to mind how good of a linebacker he can truly be, which is why I think the Dolphins not pass up on McLean and they take him. Next, we have the 49ers. The 49ers last year were my upset team, and I think they fit pretty well. I think this year it won't disappoint at all. Then they had some troubles at quarterback like Alex Smith, hint, hint. But I think Mike Solitary has a lot of Smith can really do well. And I don't know. I don't think they're really going to go with wide receiver considering they need help on that whole line. Alex Smith did not have a lot of throw. They did it. It was main, and every time they ran, Frank Gore mainly did all the work, much like uh, Stephen in St. Louis. I think here they go with Trent Williams. People are predicting that Trent Williams will be one of the best offensive lineman prospects in this draft. I know my colleague here, Jordan, does not agree. I honestly don't know whether he's going to be great or whether he's not. Either way, it's a safe pick, considering their starting right tackle is Adam Snyder, who is good from time to time. I think they take Trent Williams, and then later they say, but we'll get to that when we get to their next pick. And then finally, the Seattle Seahawks with their final pick. The Seahawks, or the final pick in the first round, but the Seahawks, I think they help that running game and try to get some offensive spark and try to keep it going, which is why C.J. Spiller, poor Jordan, <laughs> C.J. Spiller is the best running back in this draft and is like an LT to an extent. And I think he can easily play in Seattle and O-line is up to snuff. If not, he's going to have a harder time to run but I think he'll still do a great job there. With the 15th pick, we get to the New York Giants. The Giants were last year's most disappointing team, well, considering that they didn't even make the playoffs. I had them penciled in for the playoffs. I had faith in that defense. But injuries and O.C. Yermanyura didn't help. Yermanyura came back from his injuries last year and did a, an okay job. Justin Tuck played through injuries and did a pretty decent job. The defensive tackle situation was dreadful considering the injuries that they had, and that linebacking core was in shambles. They're also, what I would call their weakest point, was their secondary. 
Corey Webster was one of the few bright spots, but always injured. Aaron, that means Aaron Ross and Terrell Thomas and Bruce Johnson had to step in, along with Kenny Phillips and Michael Johnson. I guess most people are saying who? Their secondary was very lackluster and needed a lot of help, which is why I think they take Earl Thomas, the second best safety in this draft. He can stop the run, he can stop the pass, he can play corner. Why not? I think he could do a great job, especially in that second that is truly lack. Next, we have the Tennessee Titans. The Titans had an interesting beginning season, not winning a game until week six or seven, and had a huge problem at quarterback, which Vince Young fixed. Obviously, they don't need a running back considering Chris Johnson rushed for 2,000 yards. And their wide receiving core, like Kenny Britt and Justin Gage and Nate Washington, did a pretty good job. I think Algie Crump, or yeah, Bobo Scaife, my nickname for him, and Jared Cook Jr., I think both did a great job. And that O-line was absolutely great. The defense, on the other hand, is where they were lacking. When we look at their defense... We kind of are lost there, but especially the once great defensive line that they once had is no longer great. Javon Curse has been pretty average his last couple of years, including last year in Tennessee in which he only had three sacks. He's been as good since he was back in Tennessee in 2003. William Hayes was their starting left end this year, along with Jacob Ford, who were decent, but nothing great. They also lost Kyle Vandenbosch to free agency, another huge loss defense, which I think drafted defensive end here, Derek Morgan. Derek Morgan is a good all-around defensive end. Most people have Jason Pierre-Paul going to Tennessee, but I don't think he's going to even drop to 16. Derek Morgan will bring them their balance that they need of stopping the run and the pass, which I guess everybody wants. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he will be very good at left end. Then for the 49ers' last pick of the first round, they grab their man, Taylor Mays. I think they grab Taylor Mays here for sure. Their secondary last year was pretty lackluster, especially at free safety with Deshaun Goldson. Other than Nate Clements and Michael Lewis, it was interesting. Shante Spencer was good from time to Walt Harris, Terrell Brown, and Dre Bly. Especially Dre Bly and Walt Harris are well past their prime, while Terrell Brown's still kind of learning. I think here they go with their free safety. Taylor Mays is a freak athlete. He's big, he's fast, and he's a hard hitter. I think he will do a good job here. And could easily, I don't want to say, well, he could easily good pre-safety. Okay, that was interesting. Um, next, the Steelers. The Steelers, also another up and down. 2008 Super Bowl campaign had a tough time with their O-line. Roethlisberger was always under pressure and had a hard time, which Roethlisberger is always great under pressure. Well, I'm pretty sure that they're one of 
going to want to help their running back group, considering Richard Mendenhall, you know, was having a hard time with the ball late in the season. I think here they go with their offensive line like, or sorry, Mike Tackle. And right now he can play. He's one of those guys who can play anywhere on the line which is why I think they'll stick him at right guard, considering Trey Essex did not do a very good job last year. He's a good offensive tackle, and he's good at, He's good for the run. He, I think he'd be a great addition to that Steelers O-line. Next, we get to Atlanta at 19. The Atlanta Falcons were 2008's darlings. Everybody loved them because they had Matt Ryan and Michael Turner. That couldn't be said last year. Michael Turner was plagued by injuries for most of the year and had a hard time running the ball. I should know he was on my fantasy team. While Matt Ryan, he did a good job throwing the ball. The wide receiving core of Ryan White and Michael Jenkins was pretty good, but the next best guy being Marty Booker. Most people are expecting them to go with a wide receiver here, but there's just too many good defensive players on the board still. Across from John Abraham and Jonathan Babineau is Chauncey Davis. Most people would go, huh? Chauncey Davis did an okay job last year and had a hard time stop trying to get a pass rush going, which is why I think they draft Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, I quote, will be one of the best players in this draft, and he will be great at both end and line. Linebacker. Steven Nichols at right outside linebacker did not do a very good job along with Chauncey Davis. Brandon Graham could fill in for both those positions and anywhere on the front seven, which they need Brandon Graham, and I think he will be there at 19. Well, Alec, you know how high I am on Brandon Graham, and to me, he just screams DeMarcus Ware ability, but I'm not sure who your comparison for him is, but to me, that's the closest I can find. Yeah, I definitely can say he's your DeMarcus Ware type player. He can He's really fast. He's got good strength. I think he could really dominate and become one of the best defensive players in the league. Next, we get to the Houston Texans at 20. Sadly, they beat my Patriots in Week 17 on another comeback win to get their first winning season in franchise. Of course, that's a huge high in Houston, but they just missed the playoffs, just barely. The reason they missed the playoffs? A lot of comeback, two comeback wins from Indy, and a great job by Peyton Manning. Considering the division that they're in with the Colts, I think it would be impossible for them not to go fill in for Donta Robinson, who they lost to free agency. Here, they draft Kyle Wilson, who is a great fill-in for Donta Robinson. He's got speed, and he's got great coverage ability. I think can really take over in that Houston secondary that is lacking. Next, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals, I think, shocked a lot of people this year, considering that they made the playoffs. Of course, they lost to the Jets, and the Jets went on to the AFC Championship game to lose. But the Bengals, once again, 
for the first time ever, need to actually fix their offense. Usually, I know at least last year, their defense needed a lot of help. And I think this year they had a weapon for Carson Palmer. I think they had Dez Bryant, who to most people should be going in the top 10. But I don't see a lot of people needing a wide receiver that much compared to defensive players. Dez Bryant will slip to 21 and will be a great receiver. Lavernius Coles, who they lost to free agency, was only average, and Andre Caldwell was good from time to time. So Des Bryant will be a great fit at the number two wide receiver, learning from Chad Ochocinco. Next, we get to my team, the New England Patriots. The Patriots last year were pitiful from time to time. They had their problem mainly games and for the first time ever for, for the first time in probably two or so years, their problem was not the defense, but the offense. Tom Brady had a hard time getting back into the swing of things, but he did late in the season. And Randy Moss was virtually unrecognizable. He caught a few touchdown passes here and there, but really wasn't a big as big of a target as Wes Welker. A lot of people have them drafting another wide receiver because don't know how Wes Welker is going to recover from a blown ACL. But I think Julian Edelman and Sam Haken can fit in as third wide receivers, especially Edelman, who I call Wes Welker Jr. A lot of people have them picking a tight end, but with the addition of Algie Crumpler, which isn't saying a whole lot, I think they're, I think they're pretty set on getting and fixing that defense. Other than Ty Warren, Jarvis Green, not very good. He had a hard time last year getting the pass rush going. Adelius Thomas is well past his prime. Gerard Mayo did a great job, and Gary Guyton is still trying to learn, with a 40-year-old junior Seau in there as well. Right outside linebacker Tuli Banta Kane is great at pass rushing, but not much else, which is why they draft a linebacker here. I think they go with Sean Witherspoon who is by far one of the best pass-rushing linebackers in the reason slips down to 22 is because he's a 3-4 style pass rusher, which not a lot of teams play the 3-4 compared to the 4-3, which actually is a huge thing, which is why they draft John Witherspoon, who can also play defensive end from time to time for Jarvis Green. We get three Green Bay Packers who had a great year they did a great job especially on that defense with Clay Matthews Aaron Campman who they did lose but found a good replacement for him in uh, Brad Jones middle linebackers Nick Barnett AJ Hawk did a phenomenal job and the defensive player of the year Charles Woodson and Al Harris also did a great job as well that secondary with Nick Collins and also Atari Bigby was unstoppable. Aaron Rodgers had a great year, but he was also the most sacked quarterback last year, and it was obvious, which is why they go with an offensive lineman. Here they take Maurice Pouncey, who is one of the better offensive linemen in this draft, and I can easily see him playing center to right guard anywhere on in anywhere in the spots and I think he'll do a 
job and succeed there. Next, we get to the Eagles, Tyler's team. The Eagles had a sad ending to a great year last year, which I don't want to but they got clobbered by the Dallas Cowboys. Donovan McNabb right now, there are trade rumors that, he, that he's going to be traded, which in all in all would make sense considering they have Kevin Cobb and Michael Vick. It still was an obvious thing, though, that their this was lacking, especially with injuries. They had to even re-sign Jeremiah, Jeremiah Trotter for an injured Stuart Bradley, which is really pushing the envelope. Chris Gokong had a okay year, and the loss of Will Witherspoon means Akeem Jordan is now their starting right outside linebacker. For sure, they go linebacker here, and they draft Sergio Kindle. He is a freak of a 4-3 pass rusher. He's okay with his cover skills and run-stopping skills, but for... There's for the Eagles style of defense, Sergio Kindle is an awesome pass rusher and can easily play linebacker there. Next, we get to the Baltimore Ravens, who had a great run also beating my Patriots. But that's a different story. They had a they definitely have an aging wide receiving core with Derek Mason, but they also were managed to get Anquan Bolden, which I think is still one of the best additions so far in this free agent class. They still have Mark Clayton, but also added Dante Stallworth. Dante Stallworth has been out of football for one year, and I don't know how good he truly is going to be. So the safe pick here is to still draft a wide receiver, Golden Tate. Even though they acquired Anton Bolden, Eric Mason is on the verge of retiring at the age of, well, he will be 36. And Anquan Bolden isn't exactly what I'd call my playmaking big play wide receiver he'll definitely get a lot of catches but he won't break the big one open so i think they draft golden tate golden tate has great speed and can easily become a huge playmaker i don't want to say like percy harvin but that's the name that comes to mind next we get to the cardinals at 26 if there's any team in this draft that's in complete uncertainty, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Losing Kurt Warner and having Matt Leinart, they still say they're going to stick with Leinart. I don't know if they will, but I'm going to go with their instinct, and I'm going to say, sure, they're going to stick with Leinart and maybe draft a quarterback later in the draft. They have they lost Anquan Bolden, but Steve Breston is turning into a great wide receiver along with Early Duque. Tight end, the tight end situation isn't exactly pretty, but they can live without, they can make it into the second round and get a tight end there. But at 26, definitely losing Carlos Dansby will be one of their bigger losses on that defense, especially considering what he did in the playoffs against the Packers. They're really going to need to find their upgrade at middle linebacker, and they take Daryl Washington. Daryl Washington is one of the best linebackers in this draft and I think he's underrated coming out of TCU and he will easily fit in for Carlos Stansby. Next we get to the Dallas Cowboys who for the first time and I clap won a playoff game in 15 years. Congratulations to Tony Romo. Still there is still uncertainty on that offensive line. Definitely with an aging Flozell Adams 
and Kyle Co- Kyle Cozier, they really do need an upgrade, especially with Mark Colombo. So I think they draft an offensive line. Or sorry, <laughs> I think here they draft a defensive lineman. I know I already pointed out their O line problems, but at defensive line they have Marcus Spears, who is. Not exactly great. And it's definitely something they cannot pass up on. And I think they draft here Jared Odrick. Now, most people say, you know, he's a defensive tackle. That was his starting position. But in a defense, defensive tackles are defensive ends. Look at just Ty Warren. He's pretty sure he'd be a better defensive tackle, but they have him at end because. You know, you're like, you don't get as you, in a 3 4, you don't have nearly as many defensive tackles. So I think here, Jared Odrick and put him over to end. He's undersized for being a defensive tackle, which makes him perfect for being a defensive end. Now, the Chargers. <sighs> the inevitable thing. <laughs> I'll leave it Losing. be. I'll leave it be. I know. Losing Ladanian Tomlinson, they cut him this year. Great Chargers running back, Hall of Fame running back, in my opinion. I think they definitely draft a running back here, and they take Ryan Matthews. Ryan Matthews isn't exactly a first-round pick, but I know the Chargers cannot pass up on a running back considering the loss of Ladanian Tomlinson. They don't have really any other needs uh, than other at running back. They are, in my opinion, one of the most solid teams in the league. The only place that they could maybe use some help is that wide receiver. But for now, they go running back and draft Ryan Matthews. Ryan Matthews was a great running back out of Georgia, and I think he is like your Ladanian Tomlinson. I believe he's out of Fresno State, actually. Really? If I am not mistaken. Hold on. I, I had him out of Georgia when I read it. Well, they're both the Bulldogs, so I don't know. Eh, close but, enough. <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan Matt, good running back, but I wouldn't call him a first-round choice. Next, we get to the Jets. The Jets had a great playoff run and had Rex Ryan, who I ultimately hate, considering I'm a Patriots fan. <laughs> the Jets had a great run, to say the least. Mark Sanchez is still developing and still kind of getting that offense down. And also, they lost Thomas Jones and added LaDainian Tomlinson. I don't know the thought process exactly, but they did it anyways. So for now, I think they improved that wide receiving core that is oh so very ugly. Jericho Cotri is the only bright spot, while Braylon Edwards wants to be in the spotlight, but can't catch a cold. Brad Smith is their playmaking Wildcat player, and David Clowney can't do much. Their wide receiving core overall is lacking, so I think here they draft a wide receiver. Damian Williams out of USC. He knows Mark Sanchez like the back of his hand, considering he's been playing with Sanchez for a lot for most of his career. But Sanchez having one starting season. I'm pretty sure that they had a lot of reps together and know their chemistry pretty well, which is why they draft Damian Williams, who is also a playmaking wide receiver and could really do well there. Next, we get to the Minnesota Vikings, also another team in uncertainty with the 
with maybe losing Brett Favre to retirement, which could possibly cause problems in having to decide to start in quarterback with Chaveris Jackson or Sage Rosenfels. Not exactly the most charming quarterback group, but nonetheless, they, they're, they're probably going to end up drafting a quarterback. But for now, at 30, they improve where improvement needs to be. Antoine Winfield will be 33. This is where cornerbacks start to decline in any member of a secondary. With Seth Griffin still young, he has a lot of potential to be great. But Asher Allen and Benny Sapp aren't exactly what I call a dream cornerback group, which is why they draft Devin McCourty. McCourty is a very good cornerback and will do a great job there as the third cornerback. I think he can learn a lot from Antoine Winfield and other members of the team and will do a great job on secondary. Next, we get to the who I ultimately picked to win the Super Bowl after they started their run. Obviously, don't need a quarterback considering Peyton Manning is still the best in the league. Reggie Wayne and Pierre Garçon really stepped up and did a great job, and they will be getting Anthony Gonzalez back along with Austin Colley. Dallas Clark will be 31, but he still is the best tight end in the league, and with an awesome O-line, including Jeff Saturday, they have a great, great offense. At ends, they have Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney. It doesn't get much better than that, and that's where it slowly starts to decline. Their secondary of Kelvin Hayden and Marlon Jackson and Gerard Powers did a great job. And Antoine Bethay would did, and Melvin Bullitt also did a great job. Bob Sanders will also be coming back from his injuries of last year. Their linebackers at Clint Session and Gary Brackett did a phenomenal job. And Philip Wheeler still trying to learn it. And their really big weakness is at defense tackle. Antonio Johnson struggled, and Daniel Murray also struggled, and they're going to have a hard time there, which is why they draft Dan Williams. That's definitely slipping, considering it's Dan Williams, who is one of the best defensive tackles in this draft, in a very deep defensive tackle draft, and he will be a great draft steal in Indianapolis. Finally, we get to the Saints. They had a phenomenal season, especially on offense but they still need help on defense. The Super Bowl champions lost Scott Fujita, who is still a pretty big loss to this team, and which is how they're going to replace him, is Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is one of the best pass-rushing linebackers in this draft and is very underrated because he came out of TCU, one of the smaller colleges, and can easily fit in for Scott Fujita and be great. Which wraps up my mock draft of... 2010 I think this is in my opinion one of the best drafts especially defensively that I have seen in a long time and and that's why we bring them on ladies and gentlemen detail and accuracy however as uh, we have talked about before the show you will quickly notice some huge discrepancies in our drafts as we as we move on forward here so uh if you want to take a bit of a break then oh yeah i'll be (laughs) fire away all right uh number one 
we have the St. Louis Rams, of course, finishing 1-15 last year. Man, these guys, they've got plenty of holes to fill with only one pick to do it in. Uh, I look at several positions on their roster, and even though my my heart tells me they should be drafting Donkey Kong, Namat Nakong Su, uh, the, my head's going to say that they draft Sam Bradford out of Oklahoma because Mark Bulger will be 30, turning 32, I believe, uh, at the start of the season, and they can only have him as a mentor for maybe a year. Um, I'm not sure if Bradford will be stepping in and competing and starting right away, but uh, if he does... He may even be an upgrade over their current situation. Uh, as I've said before, I'm not a huge believer in Bradford's skills. Um, I do agree that when they say, when a lot of analysts say that he's the best quarterback in the draft in what I consider to be a relatively weak quarterback class, that's one of our other arguments here. Mm. But uh, leading up to the draft, uh, there's been a lot of talk about his shoulder and uh, his pro day, he'll be throwing and all that stuff, so they had a better chance to assess him from there. As I said, my heart uh, wants to say they make the smart decision and draft Sue. However, they will draft Sam Bradford, as the last couple of years they've passed up on possible franchise quarterbacks, and they will say to themselves, we cannot do that again. Secondly, we have the Lions who I believe uh, have been very active in the free agent market, picking up Mr. Vandenbosch to help their pass rush a little bit. And they will soon realize that they need to protect the franchise because his jersey was looking uh, more green for turf stains than blue and white by the end of most games. Mm -hmm. Um, And they will draft... The guy, the tackle who has been already drawing comparisons to Jonathan Ogden, and that's quite uh, high praise for a guy just coming out of the draft. But I was extremely impressed with him at the Combine. That is Russell Okong at Oklahoma State. Um, Russell may be the most dominant offensive line prospect that the draft has seen in quite a number of years, and the Lions would be smart to take him here and provide... Matthew Stafford with some more time to throw the football. Uh, number three, and as I said in the intro to the show, today that day will be a good day to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Uh, they have a lot of needs, and they are rebuilding, as Alex said. Um, with the departure of Antonio Bryant to Cincinnati, uh, they'll be, they'll be looking at a wide receiver later in the draft. But right now, they shouldn't overthink this. They should write down the name on the card and just forget about it. Because Namatnakong Su just fell into their lap at number three. Uh, he's already probably an NFL caliber without even any... He can step in right away and make an impact. Uh, his first-year stats, as Alec and I have agreed will probably be of the sobering variety just because he's been the product of overhyping and will probably get double or triple teamed 
in his first year in the league until they can see what he has in them and what he can do. Um, as I said before, Tampa Bay shouldn't dwell on this. If Sue is on the board at number three, they should just take him without even thinking about it. Um, number four, the Redskins. This is a pick I really, really struggled with. Um, a lot of people have them taking Jimmy Clausen, going for the quarterback, eh, to compete with Jason Campbell, have someone breathing down his neck at the start of next year, because they lost Todd Collins, and he certainly wasn't the guy that was going to do that. Um, <laughs> and Daniel Snyder has always been had a flair for the big name and spending lots of money, so I could definitely see Clausen going here. However, I think they'll go a different direction. Uh, looking at their secondary, I looked at their secondary the other day and I said to myself, I don't know who's going to step up in this class. I mean, you've got Leron Landry, who's a really, really good free safety, but can be a liability in coverage at times. Um, they, they need somebody else on the other side or at corner that can allow him to kind of headhunt and hit hard and do what he does best. And that's why they take... Eric Berry out of Tennessee. This guy can be is a great ball hawking safety. He's drawn comparisons to Ed Breed. I really think that he's going to rise to that level. But uh, he's always been the product of praise and all the draft scouts. And honestly, the top corner in Washington, it can be argued that right now it's D'Angelo Hall. And that guy is aging, and he's well past his prime abilities. So they need somebody that can step in right away and make an impact for their team. And Eric Berry is that guy. So we'll have to see what Mike Shanahan does uh, with his pick at number four, his first pick with the organization. That brings us to another perplexing team the Kansas City Chiefs at number 5 they would ultimately love to get uh, Russell Okong here however he will not be available at 5 unfortunately for them Uh, they just added Charlie Weiss to his staff so look for him to make some moves there as well Um, and they are are in need of a receiver to get with Dwayne Bowe so look for them to maybe uh, pull some strings and possibly trade up with another first-round pick later in the draft and pick up Golden Tate if they can swing it. Because if there's anybody that knows him as well, it would be Charlie Weiss. But I digress, and with the fifth pick out of Iowa, the Chiefs will draft Brian Beluga. This is another guy who has a good... uh athletic work ethic and athletic ability. I think it may be a bit of a reach at this spot, but Kansas City is uh, fixing most of their needs with this pick. It's definitely not a flashy pick, for sure, but it's definitely the smart one. And if the Chiefs come to their senses, it's ultimately the best pick they could possibly make. Uh, Number six, the Seattle Seahawks. You had them taking Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen, as I suspected. There's been a lot of talk that Pete Carroll will go with the quarterback, and I could definitely see them taking Clausen here. However, 
there was one big name left on the board that could both fill a need for them and be a big-name player, and that's Gerald McCoy out of Oklahoma. If he's sitting there at six, he's definitely going to be the pick that they take, just because I think partially because of the Charlie Whitehurst trade um, earlier in free agency. I, I really think that they believe that this is their guy for the future which could be an enormous mistake being a Charger fan. Uh, <laughs> we we didn't really see him that much, but I can't uh, inspire much confidence in Pete Carroll with his train of thought here. But if Gerald McCoy is still on the board at six, the Seahawks would be crazy not to take him because I think that's incredible value even at the six spot. Uh, number seven. Mike Holmgren and the Cleveland Browns, his first pick in the organization. Again, it's not going to be flashy. It's going to help the defense and the secondary, and it's going to be Joe Hayden from Florida. This guy can has game-changing ability in the secondary, and, uh, of course, if Clausen is there, maybe they go for Clausen just because... They have uh, Seneca Wallace and Jake DeLome, and neither of those guys are long-term solutions. They're both kind of bandages for the last one or two years. But I think they can wait a year on the on a quarterback or even a round on the quarterback and uh, take the guy that I think will give them the most value in this spot, and that's Joe Hayden. Um. The the Oakland Raiders. Number eight, Al Davis, the Crypt Keeper. Um <laughs> in in the members only Raider jacket. Uh he is now eighty years old, and as I have said before, he has said to the media that he will retire either when the Raiders win two Super Bowls or he dies. And I am willing to place money on which one will happen first. Yeah. Uh, he has had a long track record and a long draft history to draw from. Um, over the last 10 or 15 years, however, uh, it's become a media joke. Uh, he's taken a lot of unwarranted chances, and one of them you mentioned there was taking Darius Hayward Bay over Michael Crabtree, <laughs> who is the, clearly, clearly the better player. Um, but <laughs> the guy I have been taking is Taylor Mays from USC. Is it too high for Taylor Mays? Absolutely. Is it a Raider pick? Absolutely. Is an Al Davis pick? Absolutely. And let me explain why. This guy in the 2000 draft drafted a kicker in the first round. So you never can really tell what he's going to do. He drafted Michael Mitchell at safety. And they have some young developing safeties. However, Taylor Mays, when you look at his stats, on a good day, he can run sub 4-4. He's a ball-hawking safety. He's well-built at 6'4". And uh, Al Davis just woke up from his coma and will draft Taylor Mace out of USC. And that's all I have to say about the Raiders. I could go on all day about that, but... Yeah. That brings us the team closest to me in Buffalo at number 9. Uh, 
I really see Jimmy Clausen slipping here. It may be crazy, but uh, they need to fill probably the quarterback need more than any other need on their team. And Jimmy Clausen will be their guy if he happens to fall here, which I think he will. Um, the quarterback carousel has been going on in Buffalo for a couple of years now, uh, switching back and forth between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Trent Edwards. And neither one has really excelled and worked out at all. Maybe it's because of the wide receiver options, but I'll get to that later. Not to mention J.P. Lossman. Ah, yes. (laughs) How can I forget J.P.? Um, And this guy, I heard Todd McShay from ESPN compare Jimmy Clausen to um, J.P. as well. So maybe this pick fits. But... um, (laughs) He also said he was too short at 6'2". But may I remind uh, (laughs) Mr. McShay that guys such as Drew Brees are also short at Um, (laughs) 6'2". So I think Jimmy Clausen, although uh, he has been the product of overhyping, will will fall slightly (laughs) as one other Notre Dame quarterback did not too long ago, uh, (laughs) but not quite to that level. And he will be taken at number nine. And I've heard a lot of Bills fans say, why take him at number nine when we can get him in two years for half the price when he's on the trading block? But um, moving on to the Jaguars yeah. at 10, <laughs> um, you had them drafting... I had the good old Jacksonville Jaguars drafting Jason Pierre-Paul. Ah, uh, yes. Jason Pierre-Paul. Fear me, fear me. I'll get him to him in a couple of picks. But Des Bryant, uh, he's gotten plenty of talk and attention. Um, And obviously he has been subject to some character issues. And the Jaguars have to fill at receiver. And I think they take him here. He's from Oklahoma State. He's their big play guy. Because the other thing they have here is Mike Sims Walker and nobody else with the release of Tory Holt uh, they've got nobody at wide receiver um, the Jaguars have really been giving some attention to their pass rush recently with the signing of Aaron Campman and a lot of people still think that pass rush is too weak especially since Campman's torn his, uh, yeah. his knee out not too long ago and do you really want to rely on him? But uh, I say they take the experiment and hope that it works out. Uh, yeah. They may draft a linebacker or an end a little bit later, but they need a big play guy because Mike Simswalker exploded last year, came into the league. Nobody really knew who he was. He was one of those Miles Austin breed of guys. Um, and... They've got nobody else besides him now. So they take Brian, and he can, he's got the speed, he's got the playmaking ability to fit what they need. Uh, moving on to the Broncos at 11. <laughs> they, they are in a tough spot because they have defensive coordinator Mike Nolan running their 4-3 defense. And if that weren't a tough enough spot to have, they're also picking 11. Um, and they don't have the big run-stopping defensive tackle 
that you need to run a four three or a three four defense. Excuse me. Um, unfortunately, by this time, I believe the two big name defensive tackles will be off the board, so they will be forced to reach for Mr. Dan Williams out of Tennessee. Um, you is this a good pick? I don't know. Um, is it an essential pick for them? I think so. Because yeah. I think if the other two were off the board, which you had them directing Gerald McCoy, who I think will not be here at this spot, and I think, honestly, the next best defensive tackle on the board is Dan Williams. Honestly, I think he should be drafted in the late teens to early 20s. However, the Broncos will be forced to reach to fill that major need that they have. And now we get to one of your personal favorites, in yes. Miami, uh, 12, the guy from South Florida, who I have affectionately nicknamed the Freak Junior. Um, yep. This guy reminds me of Javon Curse. There's, there's no... The athletic ability of this guy is just off the charts, and all Miami has to do is take a little drive down the road and check him out every so often, and they can see yeah. that he's going to be a star a star in this league he's got enough size that he won't be a liability he's got the speed to get around most tackles and uh, I really think that Bill Parcells if he needs a pass rush he better be high on this guy or he's making a huge mistake so he he is probably going to be, in my estimation, one of the top five players in this draft, but he will slip to 12 at Miami. Um, That brings us to the first pick of the San Francisco 49ers at 13. And a lot of people have Bruce Campbell from Maryland going to the Raiders. But since I had Al Davis making a typical Raider pick at number eight, taking the big name instead of the smart pick, Big name fast guy instead of the smart pick. Um, I have Bruce Campbell going here to the 49ers because they need that kind of help. A lot of people have Trent Williams going. A lot of people have Anthony Davis going. But there's no way around it. Um, They need an offensive lineman. And Bruce Campbell, as we've seen in his game tape and in his combine workout, he's incredibly raw. But he's also very athletic and can be molded, and you can do something with him. And uh, he's definitely going to need further development before he's able to jump in. But this would be a smart pick for San Francisco. Moving on to the second pick of the first round at 14 for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, There's been a lot of talk that they may trade this pick, and I wouldn't be against them doing so but there's one major hole that they need to fill before they can do that. The running game. Julius Jones just isn't going to cut it anymore, and their entire running back group doesn't have the explosiveness that you like to see out of a running back. I don't fear them breaking off a big play on me every so often. Um, They dearly need help at this position, and one of the few guys at any position with game-changing ability in this draft, and possibly the only guy at running back is C.J. Spiller. And Seattle fans, I think, 
should be thrilled if they get to this guy because oh yeah, he came out of Clemson. He's NFL ready in my estimation. He can take 20 carries a game. He's ready to make an immediate impact, and he can explode on just about any team. I think this would be a great pick, and yeah. he's got he's got Chris Johnson like speed. This guy ran four three at the combine. He's he's fast. <laughs> I think the only way he's going to struggle is if that all line is not up to snuff. Other than that, I think he could easily be one of the best running backs in the league. Very true, very true, and that's why I have them. Uh, I I think Seattle Seahawks fans would be thrilled with this pick, and we'll see um, where they go on this one. I also think C.J. Spiller is kind of an Al Davis e player, so even yeah. even though the Oakland Raiders may not need a running back, I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Don't sleep on C.J. Um, tends to name Darren McFadden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's forget yeah. about that one. Uh, and Sebastian <laughs> Janikowski in 2000 uh, in the first what about round. Ray Guy? <laughs> first round, Sebastian Janikowski, 2000 draft. Um, Ray Guy. Here we go with the Giants at 15. I know, Alec, you have some huge Giant fans in your household. And oh. it's... <laughs> should I not have mentioned that? Um, and, and they'll and they'll be in luck at this point in the draft because yeah. the best linebacker in this draft in a very deep linebacker class will still be on the board for them at 15. And it's funny you compare this guy in shades of Lawrence Taylor because I have him going to the Giants here, and that's Ronaldo McLean out of Alabama. This guy is talented. Is He's a winner, he's talented, he can make an impact, and he's probably the best linebacker in this draft class, as I said, in what I believe to be a very deep linebacker class and a very deep defensive draft overall. Um, I also like one linebacker possibly better than Ronaldo McLean, but I don't think he gets chosen here, and I'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, that brings us to halfway through the first round, the Tennessee Titans at 16. Um, I believe that their pass rush has suffered over the last few years. Javon Curse has seen a steep decline in his quality of play. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul will be off the board at this point, and they lost Kyle Vandenbosch to free agency. So they pick the best option available at this point, and a guy who can make uh, edge rushing look easy, and that is Derek Morgan. Um, they they will be considered lucky to get him at this spot, and if, I've seen a lot of people having Jason Pierre-Paul uh, drop to them at this spot, but if either one of those two guys are on the board, they can't lose if they pick him here because yeah. it fills it fills a major need it gives them an immediate edge rusher who can be a problem for most offensive lines and 
it makes them not even think about that position for probably a decade because they're going to keep up at that skill yeah. level for quite a long time. Uh, moving moving on to the 49ers at 17. As I've said in my commentary before, Mike Singletary loves defense and he loves Warriors. Guys who don't give up, don't give in because that's he likes to see himself in a lot of players. So uh, I, I really think there's very few people that fit that description uh, better than Earl Thomas out of Texas. I really, really, really like Earl Thomas. I like Earl Thomas on possibly on a Joe Hayden type level. And him falling to 17, the San Francisco 49ers will be thanking their lucky stars. Um they will land him at 17, and any draft that you have two first-round picks, and in this mock at least, are able to grab two players the caliber of Earl Thomas and Bruce Campbell, that should be considered a good day. Um, yeah. Moving on to 18, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I really, really despise their offensive line uh, in a lot of ways. I like Chris Kima E2. I think he's done a really good job, really stepped up. The fact is, however, that as hard as he is to take down, Ben Roethlisberger reads a phone book before passing the football. So they're going to need some help protecting him back there, giving him the pocket, and giving Richard Mendenhall uh, run support. And that's why they take Trent Williams out of Oklahoma. Uh, this guy will fall a little bit in my estimation. And I believe you called him the one of the best offensive line prospects in this draft. Um, and you said I disagreed, which is an accurate statement to say the least. Um, Okong is better. Beluga is better. Ayu Potty is better. I'll get to him later. Um, but there are a few guys that I would rather see in this spot than Trent Williams. But I think uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers take him here. And they are also in need of a corner. So honorable mention to a corner there. But I think they go offensive line first and foremost. 19. Atlanta coming off their first winning or first back-to-back winning seasons ever. And they have some issues at receiver. They don't really have a threat outside of Roddy White that can be considered viable for a long time to come. They have their quarterback who's been doing a phenomenal job and I will praise Matt Ryan all day because I am a Matt Ryan I go bonkers for Matt Ryan. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, they their defense. I do like Jonathan Babineau. They have some good pieces there, but they need one more to fill it out. And this guy, along with Jason Pierre-Paul, will be the best steal of the draft, and that is Brandon Graham out of Michigan. I am. Super, super high on this guy. I'm in the clouds. This guy has everything 
I love to see in a football player. Athletic ability, speed, sideline to sideline power, the ability to get to the quarterback on almost anybody. He looked great in the Senior Bowl, won Senior Bowl MVP, well-deserved. He'll get in the backfield on a lot of offensive lines, and that's why Atlanta takes him here, and they absolutely get a steal at 19. Uh, moving on to the Texans at 20, another pick that I kind of struggled with because a lot of people on the offensive side of the ball, a lot of the coaches are calling for a running back because of the disappointing performance of Steve Slayton last season. Um, I almost drafted him. <laughs> if someone hadn't drafted him before me had picked him, I would have picked him, and that would have been a mistake. <laughs> but, uh, to say the least. Can, cannot dwell on that now since I won the championship. Um, clap, clap. But the, thank you. But the um, main need here with the departure of Dunter Robinson is corner. And when you play Peyton Manning twice a season, the need in any draft ever is corner uh, or secondary because yeah. he's going to torch you all day long if you have somebody there um this guy's draft stock has been rising steadily and that is kyle wilson out of boise state this is a guy who can i'm not sure if he can cover the big play receivers right away the big marquee names but he will definitely step in and uh fill quite a big void left by Dunter robinson and the texans will get about the market price for a guy like Kyle Wilson, I think, at the 20 spot. Moving yep. on to Cincinnati at 21. And this is where I think the wide receiver end of the draft comes into full swing. And it starts with Cincinnati. Uh, of course, the tragic passing of Chris Henry last year not only... Uh, broke up a bit of a family in Cincinnati, but also left a void in their offense and left Carson Palmer without uh, many options outside of, of course, Mr. Ocho Cinco. Uh, but Ocho Cinco doesn't really strike me as a guy who can jump ball, go get the ball at its peak point. He's more of a guy that uh, will use his... Uh, athletic ability to get away and break away from corners more so than getting the jump ball deep down the field. Um, and that's why I feel that Cincinnati goes with Golden Tate out of Notre Dame here. Uh, tater tot. He had tater tot. Yeah. The, he had a great performance at the combine, uh, yep. blazing 40 time. Uh, excellent performance in the gauntlet and a lot of different drills. Um, I'm not really sold on him. I I think no. you you said he you compared him to Percy Harvin uh, in your analysis. I see him more as a uh, Ted Ginn type draft pick here. I oh. I think I think he's. All flash and dash and no actual substance. But I think... Uh, I th 
you know, I, the reason I don't agree with the Ted Ginn thing is because Ted Ginn, he, he's, he, Darius Hayward Bay Sr. right there. <laughs> well, Golden Tate has a lot, has much better hands to say as Percy Harvin would. Right. Well, um, Golden Tate, I think, uh, the Cincinnati falls for the smoke screen here and takes him at 21, and we'll have to watch his progression as an NFL player. We'll, we'll have to see. I think there are better uh, wide receivers on the board. I'm really high on Demarius Thomas. Possibly Artilius Ben is on a Golden Tate level. But I think Golden Tate goes here to Cincinnati as they perceive him to be the best pick on the board. And now we get to the pick that I'm going to catch a lot of flack for here. Uh, from our, <laughs> not only not only possibly our fellow listeners, but my fellow co-host, uh, and that is Jermaine Gresham from uh, going to the New England Patriots. Uh, uh, I, I didn't interrupt you here, so let me explain. Okay. Uh, they have a severe <laughs> loss of depth at the tight end position. They drafted. Daniel Graham in the first round. They drafted Ben Watson in the first round, and they go with Gresham in the first round just because I think Algie, they went out and signed Algie Crumpler, but because of his age and his decreasing ability, he's really become more of a blocker, more of a offensive lineman at this point in his career. He's not really the optimal pass option, even for a guy like Tom Brady. So... If you need a guy with athletic ability, Gresham is by far the best tight end on the board, and I can't see them passing it up here. I definitely see where you're coming from on that. I can definitely see that happening. I just think you're that just this unhappy tight end, about it. I just well, I'm unhappy about it, and I just think that this tight end draft is deep. And Aaron Hernandez, I know you guys aren't too high on, but he's a great receiving tight end, and He's definitely could be a second round pick. Where is where is he ranked positionally on your board in the tight end group? Is in my second? tight end group, he's second. Gresham's definitely first. Okay. Without a doubt. Because I have Aaron Hernandez ranked fourth at this point Ooh. in my tight end group. I have uh, Rob Gronkowski. In second, and I was really, really impressed at the combine with Dennis Pitta out of BYU. Yeah, he also did a great job. I think he can excel in the league and be a constant contributor for quite a long time. So moving on to 23 and the Packers, we have the obvious uh, issue. The issue that's probably easiest to see on any team is when your quarterback is in the dirt you need to make a change. And that's why Mike Iupati from Idaho goes here. And that would be not only the smartest pick for Green Bay, but also the best, possibly the best available pick. Um, yep. Mike Iupati, he's still pretty raw in the pass protection game. Um so they're going to have to work with him a little bit. But 
he will open holes the size of a tractor trailer for Ryan Grant to run through. And I think that's really what he's going to excel at. And I think that's why Green Bay's going to like him, is not only can we work on him with Aaron Rodgers to protect the pass and prevent the sacks, it's also going to be... We we can provide some much needed run protection for our backfield. So I really think Mike Ayupati is both the smart and the right pick for the Packers here. And now we get to our colleague's favorite team at 24. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here uh, to be with us today as he is off to watch some of March Madness, uh, taking a trip yeah. down there to watch it. So that should be exciting stuff. So I won't trash his team, at least as much as I normally do, because he's not here. Um, <laughs> but as as we saw last season, linebacker depth was not a strength of the Eagles. As several linebackers went down to injury, uh, they were forced to acquire Will Witherspoon at the trade deadline. That move worked out great for them. However, they cut yeah. him at the end of the season. I did not understand that. Which but... I kind of went, okay, and you plan to fill that void how? Exactly. Um, the guy I have on my board here, if he falls this far... I know Tyler is going to be doing backflips because he's personally my favorite linebacker in the draft class. And that is Sean Witherspoon out of Missouri. Uh, um, Even though I know my favorite team, the Chargers, uh, will not be able to draft him because he will not fall that far. And we don't even need a linebacker. We do have... The uh, we do like drafting linebackers named Sean, uh, Sean Phillips and Sean Merriman, and I really think that this is another guy that will live up to that type of pedigree. This guy's just an unbelievable freak of an athlete, and he's got a great motor. He's sideline to sideline. He can push straight downfield. He can get to the quarterback. He can do a lot of things all of which the Eagles need help with. So the Eagles would be uh, well-advised to take him here. I actually like him better than Ronaldo McLean, who I have going nine picks higher. Uh, 25, the Ravens, and we are eight picks from the end of the first round. Uh, you had them taking Golden Tate in this spot. I think they go shift their focus towards the defensive side of the ball because the last few years they've really focused on shoring up their offense with young talent. They've got Joe Flacco. They've got Ray Rice Rice. there. They've got, well, they may need an upgrade for Todd Heap, but that may come later. Um, They've got Michael Orr on the offensive line. They picked up Jared Gaither um, on the offensive line. And that's why I think they go the defensive side of the ball to help out the aging defense, whose centerpieces for several years now have been Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. 
and they go back to the Rutgers well once again because it worked out for them pretty well the first time. Uh, we've got Devin Cordy, yeah. the corner out of Rutgers, going here for me. So I don't know how much stability he's going to provide with them, but with this pick, they can shore up their defense, and with their offensive firepower that they have, they could be a real force to make a Super Bowl run next year. The Super Bowl isn't for another 10 months, and you've already heard one of my predictions, so there you have it. Um, Alec, I've got my second straight Rutgers pick, and yes, it is Anthony Davis, offensive tackle out of Rutgers. His combine performance, to me, really hurt his draft stock and put him down this board probably about 10 spots from where he should be. Um, but Arizona, they have more needs than a lot of teams now because they uh, lost Anquan Bolden and their offensive line, as you've seen in the playoffs. Uh, Kurt Warner t- took way too many shots, and they're going to have to protect their uh, new, not-so-young Matt Leinard because he's been sitting there holding a clipboard and earning $10 million a year the last four years. Um, I'd take that. Or so. Yeah, I'd love that job. I'm just saying he hasn't done much more than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Davis will fall this far just because of his poor combine showing, but he's definitely an outstanding talent who should have gone higher, but probably won't. If he had had a good showing at the Combine, I probably would have put him above IU Potty and maybe even put him above Trent Williams and put him in the top 15. Um, yep. Moving on to the Cowboys at number 29. They are also in a team in the market for some pass protection uh, in the offensive line, and they need someone to get to a little quicker instead of those big, bulking offensive linemen that... Uh, Jerry Jones likes to have, and that's why they pick Marquise Pouncey out of Florida. They need somebody quicker that can get in front of the bruising Marion Barber or Speedy Felix Jones or even Tashard Choice on the occasional carry. And uh, there's a rumor going around right now that Jerry Jones may consider starting Felix instead of Marion at the start of next year, but we'll have to see where that rumor goes. Um, last year they said the same thing and it didn't end up happening. Uh, Pouncey's a supremely talented guy out of Florida and luckily for the Cowboys they're picking just before the pickings in this mock at least start to get a little slim. After uh, Pouncey you've got Charles Brown, you've got Roger Saffold and after that maybe Vladimir Dukasi? Maybe. Uh... I don't know. You don't have much after that, after those three guys. So the Cowboys yeah. luck out here. We're going to get a pretty decent pick at the 27th spot. Uh, 28. I Yeah. I've been facing a major dilemma because we have two pressing needs as a team. We need a running back, and that has been well documented because the little big man, Darren Sproles, just can't handle the 20 carries a game that we're going to need. Uh, granted, we've become mainly a passing team in the last few years with Vincent Jackson, Malcolm Floyd, and Philip Rivers leading the charge. Um, Antonio Gates. Yeah, 
how could I forget Antonio Gates? Thank you. Who, in my opinion, is the best tight end in the game. Sorry, Dallas Clark, as you said earlier. Um, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Uh, well, what about what about Gonzo? Mm. <sighs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, Tony, if you're listening to the show, I love you, man. Um, you're not listening. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish, right? Yeah, and Matt. You can always hope. Keep keep throwing the ball to Gonzo, Matt, because I like you too. So, just in case you're listening, just in case any NFL play, I don't even care if it's like Mark Marquise Tuiasosopo. If an NFL player is listening to this show, I'll be over the moon, man. Um. Anyway, it's not happening, but I move on. Uh, that's why I have. We we need a big run stopping nose tackle since we cut Pro Bowler Jamal Williams after he tore his ACL. He's had a good term of service with us, but he's definitely uh, getting on in years. So we need a replacement for him. And I think our our main need, other than a running back, is a big run stopping nose tackle for our three four defense, a uh, two down guy who can come in on running downs and. Just plug up the middle, and I can think of no, no one better that fits that description of plugging up a whole bunch of areas. Um, and out Cody, Terrence Cody out of Alabama. This guy is huge. He he weighed in at a slender 349 pounds at his pro day. Down 20 from what he weighed in at the senior bowl. And he will plug up pretty much anything if you give him the chance. Yeah. Um, so to say the least. <laughs> he Does he have the durability that some of the other tackles do? No. Does he have the stamina that some of the other tackles do? Not a chance. But I can think of nobody better that's big enough to help with our run-stopping defense and our great linebacking core of Sean Phillips, Sean Merriman, and Larry English. People seem to forget about Larry English, who I thought we reached for at the mid-first round with the 16th pick last year, but it's panned out pretty well. What about Stephen Cooper? (laughs) Ah, yes. Stephen Cooper, the inside... Uh, he's yeah. he's getting on in years too. That's why I would like Witherspoon, but there's no way <laughs> yeah. ever he's dropping to 28. And you can mark me on that. Um, but if he does, if we don't take him, I will punch a wall. Um, even <laughs> if we don't need him, uh, that brings up our running back situation as well. I think we'll use our high-ranking second-round pick that we got from the Seahawks. I originally said the Jets in my notes here, but the Seahawks uh, in the Charlie Whitehurst trade to draft a running back, as I think that early in the second round, a guy like Jafad Best is going to be there, Jonathan Dwyer is going to be there, Ryan Matthews may be there, and we may be stuck with him anyway at the top of the second round. Uh, nobody with the dynamic impact of a C.J. Spiller, but still 
definitely a good contributor to the offense if we can grab one of those guys early in the second round. Moving on to 29 and the Jets, Damian Williams, USC, picks a no-brainer. You already have that added chemistry, um, familiarity between quarterback and receiver. They're filling a major need. Uh, you have a head start in the development process. Moving on, that that pick just speaks for itself. And if they don't make that pick and they need to fill a wide receiver need, they're putting themselves one step behind the game. I hope they do. <laughs> for your sake. For your yes. sake. Because uh, their defense, you know, yeah, kind of good. Yeah. So if that offense catches up, yeah. Um, and they recently picked up LT2 to replace Thomas Jones. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. I'm not sure if it's going to help them or not. Um, and they have Leon Washington, who people seem to forget about, but since he was injured for the majority of last year. But Leon Washington is pretty good, crazy athletic. And he can do a lot of different stuff very well. Uh, moving on to the Vikings at number 30. I think, um, as you said before, they'll start looking for a quarterback project to replace the great one, the third-time retired Braveheart, possibly. Um, I think they'll start looking for that in the second round. And you can quote me on this. I think Tony Pike will end up as a Viking at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, I think Dan LaFaver is going to be a Brown and Tony Pike will be a Viking at, yep. the, at the end of this draft. Um, but they need a corner first and foremost because they can't rely on Antoine Winfield to cover the big play receivers anymore. Um, he blew out his ACL, which if you if you need um, to gain speed, like, that's the worst thing you can do. And probably the worst position you can blow an ACL in is the corner. Because if you lose a step on the top receivers in the game, you're you're dead. solely responsible for seven points. Um, yep, yep, yep. So they can't rely on him anymore. And that's why I have them drafting Patrick Robinson out of Florida State. Will he be able to step in and cover the big play receivers right away? No. But... He is the best available option in which is a relatively weak secondary class, unfortunately, for Minnesota. Uh, moving on to the Super Bowl losers, the Indianapolis Colts. So elo- you make it seem so bad. So eloquently put. <laughs> if you don't lose your last game, you're probably the Super Bowl champion, as John Madden once put it. Um... I have them going defensive tackle with this pick. Brian Price out of UCLA. I also considered uh, Jared Audrick in this spot, but ultimately I went with Price. Uh, The Colts have no needs on offense. Their offense is... They've got Donald Brown now, which is an underrated piece of their offense, and they have... A decent linebacking core and the best edge rushing ends in the NFL. Probably both of them. Um, so they don't have that run-stopping disruptive force up the middle. And I think Brian Price can provide them with that for years to come. 
And Alec and I were on the same page with number 32, your Super Bowl champion, New Orleans Saints. I, I think with the loss of Scott Fujita to a ridiculously huge contract in Cleveland, uh, they have a need for a pass rush linebacker. And luckily for them, even at number 32, this draft is so deep in linebacker that they've got probably five options in this spot, which is really, really, really nice for them to be picking 32nd and have five options at your major positional lead. You, You picked a good year. So they could go several different ways here. I ultimately have them going with Jerry Hughes, outside linebacker from TCU. Other honorable mentions I would include would be uh, Ricky Sapp, Sergio Kendall, and Daryl Washington. Um, they're, it's almost a coin flip as, part as, as far as their pass rushing ability goes. Um, even Koamisi out of Colorado could sneak in here at the end of the first round. I don't think he will. I think he'll end up a Patriot, and I'll talk to you about him a little bit later after the show. But uh, I think he's arguably the best pass rusher of the group I just mentioned, uh, Jerry Hughes, and ultimately that's why he goes here. But that is my 2010 NFL mock. And uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on it and see if you have anything more to touch on before we wrap it up. Well, uh, I, I thought it was very good for the most part. I don't really have any of them where it's like totally outrageous. Notice no Tim Tebow, thank God. But, yeah, I'm well, pretty happy I, with it overall. I, I give it an A-. minus. I would have to hurt myself if I did that. Yeah, I, my, I got one question for you, though. I want you to do these two things. Okay. I want to hear, so for your mock draft, who is your draft steal and who is your draft bust? Draft steal, draft bust, in relation to talent or in relation to where they're picked? Where they're picked and their talent. Okay. I think the draft steal of the draft is going to be Brandon Graham. Um. I think that fills a major need for the Falcons. He's a huge asset. He would be on pretty much any team in the entire league, but the Falcons will be lucky to get him at uh, 19. Honorable mentions to Jason Pierre-Paul and Earl Thomas. I really like both those guys. Draft bust <sighs> if you would just give me a moment to think about this <laughs> uh, well I'll give you my draft still and that's right. definitely Brandon Graham at, for Atlanta linebacker slash defensive end if you got a guy who can play two positions overall you got yourself a pretty talented player and the only guy I can think of that's closer is Jason Pierre-Paul. If not as good as New Dominic or as dominant, he, Jason Pierre-Paul is going to turn some heads when he reaches the NFL. Absolutely. For sure. 
and draft bust? Yes. I could have as many as three in this draft, <laughs> depending on where they're picked. Uh, first one, Dan Williams. I think the Broncos will reach for him. It'll be way too high. He's a disruptive force, but he will have way too many expectations on him, considering he's the third best defensive tackle behind two of the most sought-after prospects in years. Um, And I think he's really going to have to prove some people wrong in Denver, or wherever he goes, really. Uh, Next bust. Can the first pick of the draft be a bust? It may very well be. Because I think it will be. I think... Actually, I think any quarterback in this draft is leaning towards bust territory for me. Except for... Depending on where they're picked. Aww. Um... I I said to you uh, before the show today, yeah. I think Dan LaFavor is way, way overhyped. I think the Browns will pick him early second round. However, I think he's a third round talent, so they will reach for him. But uh, And draft steal, as I said before, Brandon Graham, Jason Pierre-Paul, even Earl Thomas, because... I think he's a really talented guy. My draft busts are outright plain and simple. I can already tell you, and for starters, I'm telling you right now, Jimmy Clausen. Mark my words. It was hard for me to praise praise Jimmy Clausen when we got to the Seahawks' sixth pick. Really, the guy has only played one great season. The two seasons before that were horrific, or at least his first season, one in which he started half the games. His second season was livable. He's gone into a, situ- a situation in Seattle where the whole line is dreadful. The receivers are dreadful, and there really is no offensive spark. And my only other draft bust is Taylor Mays. Yeah. I thought that would be too easy. He's got he's got great size and speed. He's a good head hunter. He's got good coverage skills. I don't think he's going to be what everybody's expecting him to be, which is your Ed Reeds, your Troy Palomalus. I don't see Taylor Mays in that role. I don't see him in especially in San Francisco where the secondary is not the best. Well, you know, if you just throw the ball the other way from away from Taylor Mays, he can't do much. Mm-hmm. I know that's keeping him out of the game for the most part, which I think you can easily do. I just don't think Taylor Mays can really lock down on his coverage enough to be as dominant as people are expecting him to be. Right. I I would agree. I would agree. Um, I thought that was too easy to pull because... The guy's a big name, and he's going to get overhyped. And honestly, I don't think, in comparison to Joe Hayden, Eric Berry, Earl Thomas, I, even Nate Allen, yeah, uh, I don't think Taylor Mays is all that fantastic. 
So. Yep. Yeah, I I don't know, but. But back to what I, I said. Uh, I give your draft an A minus. Thank you very much. I will take that for sure. Coming from you, I will take that. So, how do you want to wrap the show up? Well, <laughs> you, you had said to me before that you wanted to talk about in your mock um, how notable names that missed the first round. Ah, of notable you. names. Notable names that miss. Uh, easily, Tim Tebow is a notable name. And he had a great pro day. Apparently, he, he saw that he switched his throw style up. I don't put a lot of faith in Tim Tebow. Third round, cough, cough. Third oh. round, <laughs> The teams that I could sadly see him going to, and I wish he doesn't, is, for starters, the Patriots and the Jaguars. I say the Patriots because... I don't know how many people know this, but Bill Belichick has been watching Tim Tebow his entire career. From the first practice, you look up Tim Tebow's first practice, who was there? Bill Belichick. Tim Tebow's first game, who was there? Bill Belichick. Who was there for the first BCS championship game he was in? Who was there? Bill Belichick. I was worried as heck because I don't want him. He's an interesting player, but... Truly not great. Uh, another one is uh, the defensive tackle that my colleague here chose. I <laughs> uh, got a Sean Cody, right? Or Terrence Cody. Thank you, Terrence. Sean Cody, Cody is the Sean linebacker Cody. from a few years thank ago. You. Thank you, thank you, Terrence Cody. I don't. That's another guy that I don't even think he's a second round pick. He's a little. He's kind of overweight for the most part. Kind of. <laughs> he's pretty overweight for the most part. Um, he doesn't have a lot of stamina. He's just not stamina. Stamina. Uh, now I'm correcting my co. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of energy. He's injured quite a bit. I'm not sure I'd take a chance on Terrence Cody if it mattered. Uh, the two guys that the two guys that I think are better than the two quarterbacks that are going in the first round, and I know you'll disagree, are Tony Pike and Dan LaFavor. Dan LaFavor has thrown 112 touchdown passes in his career. Jimmy Clausen has thrown 60. That's almost double what Jimmy Clausen has done. And Jimmy Clausen has had one good year. Dan LaFavor has had three. I don't know how on earth Jimmy Clausen is anyhow better than Dan LaFavor. Bigger school, or, more media attention. That's exactly. all Exactly. And Tony Pike is about the same as Jimmy Clausen. Sam Bradford, I can understand. He's a freak of nature, especially stats-wise. I just still stand by the fact that Jimmy Clausen is the most overrated player in this draft alone. Uh He's a okay. He was a decent quarterback in college, and just came out of Notre Dame. Honestly, the best comparison I can see towards a Jimmy Clausen would be a Kyle Orton type quarterback, a serviceable starting quarterback, <laughs> but nothing to um, write home about. 
sadly, the comparison I get is Rick Meyer. I know that's pushing the envelope considering how bad Rick Meyer was. But the fact is, is that Rick Meyer, I know the two are like in so many ways. The way that they both did things in college were pretty much alike. Both came out of Notre Dame. Both went to Seattle, or both one of them went to Seattle, and the other's looking like it's probably going to go to Seattle. Possibly. Jimmy, possibly. Jimmy should have stayed another year, in my opinion. He's not ready for the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's that plain and simple. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to look up Rick Meyer's stats right now. For... <sighs> I uh, let's see here. I I can't think of anything better for Jimmy than Rick, Rick Meyer. Meyer and they went to the same school. Could be going to yep. the same team. Could, exactly, and pretty much in the same situation. The other reason why Jimmy Clausen is set to fail is Pete Carroll. Last time Pete Carroll was in the NFL, he did not do a good job. Hello, he's with the Patriots. I should know. <laughs> it was one of the worst things I've ever had to see, and I hope, I prayed that we'd never have to see him be in the NFL again. Too bad they weren't answered. So now here he is in Seattle. <laughs> yep. Pete Carroll, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I found the stats of Mr. Rick Meyer, if you would like to hear them. Uh, he was drafted... Second overall by the Seattle Seahawks in 1993. He stayed in the league for 11 years. Um, as either a bench player or a practice squad player. Uh, he even was the starting quarterback for a few games for the Raiders in 2003. Believe it or not. Um, he... Career statistics, 1,088 pass completions on 2,043 pass attempts uh, for a 53% completion percentage, um, 11,969 passing yards, a quarterback rating, a career quarterback rating of 63.5, 50 touchdowns, 76 interceptions. Yep. Rick Meyer, ladies and gentlemen. That's the and comparison, Jimmy Clausen. I know that's. It's just. I know that's pretty harsh. I know that's pretty harsh, but you know, Jimmy is in a situation where he's bound to fail. He hasn't been a starting quarterback long enough to really get a feel for everything, and he truly is. Everything's working against him. Uh, it, I will be shocked if he goes into this in the league. And has a, su- a successful NFL career. Right. Yeah, I definitely see that. Um, now looking up the stats of J.P. Lossman as a as a comparison. As I said, Clawson was going to Buffalo. Lossman was the last failed draft experiment there. Uh, yeah, he also threw more interceptions than touchdowns. So we'll see how that one goes. But yep. uh, I definitely see Clausen going to either Seattle, Buffalo, or Washington. Those are the only three se- teams I can see him ending up with at the end of it. Yep. 
Some more notable, un, you know, untaken guys are selfish capers. Uh, Aurelius Ben, as you said, Jermaine Gresham. Uh, <laughs> another guy, Everson Griffin, and Carlos Dunlap. Uh, you know, Brandon LaFell. The names just keep on going. It's a very, very, very loaded draft. And my personal favorite, Dexter McCluster. Just guys all across the board that could easily in other drafts be first-round picks. You're really, really high on McCluster. Oh, I love McCluster. I'm not as sold on him as you are. I still like him, but you're really in love with this guy. I think I think whatever team gets Des- Dexter McCluster is going to be one happy team. I think he may be a Packer. There you go. That's my prediction. But um, notable guys in my first round, or not in my first round, are Everson Griffin, Ricky Sapp, Carlos Dunlap, Jared Audrick. Although he may sneak in with the Colts at 31, I may move Brian Price out of the first round in later iterations of this draft. Um, as well as Sergio Kindle. That's the one big name that is... Strikes me as not being in there. He may get taken by the Saints ahead of Jerry Hughes, but I personally like Jerry Hughes better. Sue me. Um, otherwise, I think that's pretty much everyone in my mock that is notable for having a chance at being in the first round or should have a chance at being in the first round. Again, we have the Raiders in there. Sorry, Raiders fans. Um, We forgot to mention um, some no-name guy in the fourth round that they're bound to pick. Um, Yeah, that won't feel a need at all, and he'll run a 4-2-5. Yep, knowing the Raiders, they'll pick John... Knowing the Raiders, they'll pick John... David Marcus Allen Green out of Booger State, but they'll draft him because he runs a four two, a four one or a four two. Mm-hmm. Jacoby Sadly. Ford. Jacoby Ford is the eighth overall pick of the 2010. And <laughs> I would not be surprised. All right, um, but that about wraps it up for this edition, edition number six of Crazy Canucks football. We apologize for not being up here in the last couple of months, but I've been busy with school, and both of my counterparts have been very busy people, but we have taken the time out of our schedule because it is, after all, draft season to come back and talk to you guys because we are psyched about this, and we hope you are just as energized about this as we are. But before we go away here... I would like to thank everybody for sticking with us, all our listeners that we have out there, and hopefully, as I said before, Gonzo, if you're listening, we love you. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but all our listeners for sticking with us over this extended break, and uh, thank you guys. But I am Jordan Smith, and speaking for my counterpart, Alec Tobb, we'd like to thank you, and Raiders fans, I'm going to give you one more pill to chew on before the end of this show, so please enjoy. That wraps up another edition of (laughs) Crazy Connects Football. We'll see you again soon. See ya.